Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Great stuff. Well done, Tash. It's great when you can make admin look so cool, isn't it? I'm not quite sure when my dad said well done because we were talking about this afternoon over lunch and he thought a browser was a dog. (laughs) (laughs) So um, he he, he might need a a wee bit of education on the old app like myself. It's good, to, it's good to be here um, again tonight to, to, to kick into our second um, night on this theme, the, the practice. It's been good to get um, such good feedback uh, from the first week and to hear stories of people who have been trying to implement a rule of life. I'm going to just recap quickly on that and then get into one of the main practices that I want to talk about tonight. Here, here's a bit of a recap, okay? Um, First of all, last week I introduced you to this word. It's a Greek word that is used in kind of philosophical thought. It's the word telos. And the word telos speaks about a goal that we are unconsciously or consciously moving towards, that our life is moving towards. And I suppose the challenge for us as people, everybody's life is moving towards something. We, we kind of are what we love. We, we move towards what gets our time and our attention. And I suppose the scary thought is if you ended up at where your thoughts are obsessed with every day, if that was the end of your life, would you really like to be there and go there? And, and for us, the, the question as Christians is, is the telos for our life really Jesus? Because it should be. And Christ-likeness and shaped into his image. What is your telos? Have you even stopped to think about where your life is heading, the arc or the story or the trajectory of your life? The question is what? So we really feel like God has been speaking to us about really rethinking how we teach and um, articulate what we feel every single person's life goal should be, and that's to become like Jesus. And the problem has been that it's become something that we say so easily that we think that's just about being like a nice guy or a nice person or a good person. But it's much, much more than that. It's going to take a radical denial of ourself and our selfishness in order to allow something to be birthed within us that looks like the life of Christ. And so I suppose our key text for this series is Second Peter chapter 1. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of, Jesus, of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them, this is that you may participate in the divine nature. So it's not this kind of distant dream that we could actually be like Jesus. It's part of what the divine power talks about at the beginning of those verses, is to enable us to become, to actually participate in the divine nature, because we've escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. And so we, you know, the classic kind of Sunday school picture is that we are supposed to change. We actually are supposed to transform. We're supposed to become more and more like the very likeness of Jesus himself. It's incredible to think about, but this is the high calling. The high calling is that we take on the very nature of God. And sometimes even just stopping and thinking about that can really blow our minds. Just let me show you another quote. Uh, always go back to a good bit of old Tozer. But just to make the point a little bit more, the widest thing in the universe is not space. It is the potential capacity of the human heart. Being made in the image of God, it is capable of almost unlimited extension in all directions. And one of the world's worst tragedies is that we allow our hearts to shrink until there is room in them for a little beside ourselves. It is really sad that people have given up, really, on the high goal of what life is for our hearts to enlarge in order to allow the birthing of the nature of the God of the universe who looks like Jesus to be formed inside these living mortal beings. And the tragedy of life is, and the tragedy of many in the churches, that we've allowed our hearts to, to shrink. 
and to be consumed with self. And so, well, hopefully you agree with me that that's kind of our telos, that should be our end goal, our, our, our observation in our own lives and as we pastor and love and people and try to shepherd people into Christ-likeness, our observation is that most people believe that but just don't know how to get there, don't know how to receive the presence of Christ. Often we know the information, like I've just said, cognitively in our brain, but when Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday comes, we're still underneath the surface as angry, as jealous, as insecure um, as, as, we, as we were five years ago, never mind two weeks ago. Nothing has really changed. And that's a shame because we are supposed to. Equally, we can come into nights like the night where we worship God and the anointed presence of God comes and we encounter him like we did, like I did during worship tonight. But the problem can be that, again, we don't realize that we can actually experience and encounter something similar at our kitchen table tomorrow morning or in our bedroom. And therefore, what happens is the encounter that we experience tonight sometimes doesn't actually lead to maturity. And, uh, and we all have seen that. And so it's like new wine gets poured out on nights like tonight or times like tonight when we worship. New wine gets poured out, but it doesn't find a new wineskin. It finds an old wineskin. And it can't contain because the heart is shrunk. It can't contain what the Lord really wants to do. And so we're really convinced. And part of the reason that we're teaching this is not just because it's a, a nice little te- teaching series, but it's because we believe that the Holy Spirit wants to pour himself out in these days in new ways. And what if the Lord's waiting for a people that can contain that? What if the reason that he hasn't just quite yet is because the wineskin's not new enough? It's not tender enough to what the Lord wants to do. And so we want to create wineskins. We want to be grown up in our discipleship. And often that isn't the case. Pete Scazziaro, um, who, who writes a lot in this kind of stuff, his observations of the Western church today is really this. People living off other people's spirituality that the church in the West is scattered, fragmented, and uncentered, that they're physically, spiritually, and emotionally tired, that they exist with one-inch deep spirituality. All the stats tell us that believers are praying and communing with God very little in their day-to-day life. Very few believers are reading their Bibles daily. Often people are feeling stuck in relationship with Jesus and struggling to stop our lives, which just feels like they're in a hamster room. If we're being honest, how many of those things just connect with people here? If, if they connect with you, would you slip, slip your hand up if you feel like, right, that's a bit like what life can feel like. And, and I suppose what we want to say is there's got to be a way that it doesn't have to be like this. And what prayer often becomes, I love this, I heard this recently, we fall into when we do come to pray, because our lives are characterized by this, prayer becomes where we rehearse our anxieties. Do you ever do that? You know, you go to pray about what you're anxious about and you just rehearse them. Or the person that you're really cheesed off about, and before you know it, your prayer has just become a kind of thing in your head where you're actually killing the person in your mind. Right? And, and it's just become, and it's great that we can bring those to God, but sometimes we don't go beyond that. And our prayer life simply becomes a rehearsing of everything that under the surface that we're feeling anxious about. And it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a, it's a bit of an oxymoron, to be honest, that a lot of people in the church are as anxious as the, peop- as the rest of the world is. Because I believe we're called to be a non-anxious presence in the world. We carry the shalom and the peace of God. That's what we're trying to paint the picture of. And so in order to develop this type of maturity, we have found that there are certain practices. I have found in my own life there are certain practices that I have learned that allow me to experience and encounter on a daily basis the transforming presence of Jesus Christ, the living hope that we talked about, the one who has conquered the grave, wants to come and meet with me and change and transform me. And in order to do that, we have certain practices. Jesus actually gave us one. I mentioned it last week. The one that we're maybe most familiar with is bread and wine, or bread and juice, or bread and a cup very practical, earthy things, a practice that we do every week that puts us in a place. It's a means by which we can receive the grace of Jesus Christ and remember what he's done and be changed and transformed. And so these practices that we want to teach you, they're like core muscles. I um, started to go to the gym again the last couple of weeks. Dave, Dave Wiley is discipling me in the ways of the gym. Dave's going and he brought me along and he is what I am aiming for. I am... Uh, <laughs> 
I am modeling now, and so Dave's giving me tips in the gym about the things that I need to do, but he was telling me that I should be doing some things for my core, and the core is really boring at times, isn't it? It's hard work. You have to work at it because it's not superficial. It's not the superficial muscles. <laughs> we don't, Dave and I don't have those either, but we're working hard at the core, right? The core part of us isn't, isn't the stuff that everybody else sees, but what the physios and the you know, people like Andrew there and Claire and others tell us is that's where all your strength comes from. It comes from the core, and we have to work hard at the core. And so we want these, these nights that we're teaching to be more gymnasium than classroom, okay? So we, it feels a wee bit like classroom at the minute, but we're going to get to practice some of this tonight. And I just came to the point in my life where, like, just as I said last week, you know, coming to church on a Sunday and reading word for the day of the odd time in the toilet because my mum left it there just wasn't enough. It just wasn't enough. I needed something more. I needed to taste the real presence of Jesus. I, I wanted the real thing because everything out in the world was far too attractive for me just to settle for some mere watered-down, diluted form of religion. Yeah, because Jesus had set my heart on fire, but I knew I needed to keep fanning it into flame. And to do that, I had to do some stuff. I had to like intentionally change some things in my life in order to engage with the Lord. And in order to do that, I started to discover that not everything from just the stream of the tradition I was brought up in was just the only way that you could connect with God, that there was actually other ways in other streams. We're part of a big church, and we don't necessarily share all the theology and maybe even all the practices of all the other streams of the church, but there's lots of good stuff. And if you look hard enough, you'll find it. Because Believe it or not, the church has been around for 2,000 years. And God told the children of Israel, he said, sometimes we have to do this. We have to stand at the crossroads and look and ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it because there you'll find rest for your souls. And there's some ancient practices that people throughout the last over 2,000 years have done to connect with Jesus and his presence. And I started to learn some of them. And so last week, what we did was we tried to give you a framework that we're going to set these practices in. And the framework was called a rule of life. And a rule of life, uh, if, if, I, I don't want to take too much more time on this. So if, if, you did, if you missed it last week, this is kind of the overarching framework that you probably need to get and understand. So it would be great for you to listen to the podcast. But basically, a rule of life is a set of practices and principles that we build into the rhythms of our lives to help us deepen our relationship with God. It's not a to-do list. It helps us recognize that every aspect of our life is accessible to God and a means by which we can encounter Him. And so um, I showed you this last week, and there are some of these out at the back, I think, if you'd like them, where I showed you how I filled this in at Christmas time. This was my rule of life, and it's good if you divide it up into these four quadrants like your prayer devotional life, and put in what that could look like on a weekly basis or on a daily basis. Your your rest, when you're going to Sabbath, when you're going to holiday, how you're going to replenish your soul, what key relationships do you want to prioritize, and how do you do that practically, and then your work life. And if some of you might have got the email, we set out the steps that you can do that. But please do pick up up the, um, the podcast, because that provides a template for which we can set these practices in. Is that making sense? You with me? So this is the big template, the big framework of how we're going to be formed. And if you, here's what I want to say. I know some of you think, oh, it feels like you're giving me homework or something, right? If you don't have a plan to become like Jesus, you won't. <laughs> it just got really quiet, right? But if you don't have a plan to become like Jesus, you won't because you become what you love. You are what you worship. You become what you worship. And if you're obsessed with other things and not obsessed, so if you don't plan your life to become like Jesus, you won't. You'll become whatever else you're consumed with. And so I kind of had to learn this myself in some ways, the hard ways. And so the first practice I want to teach you that I would set into the prayer aspect of this. So some of the practices that we teach you will set into like different parts of these quadrants. And uh, last week I shared what my rule of life was that I did at the start of the year. And if you want to see that, email me if you missed it last week and I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you to give you some ideas. But the first one that I would be setting into that prayer, devotional kind of quadrant in your top left, would be what we call centered prayer. Now, prayer is such a big, big topic. 
And uh, I'm going to try and not get sidetracked because I love to speak about prayer. And there are many different types of prayer. Timothy tells us that there's like prayers of intercession. You're crying out to God for the needs of the world. And there's supplications where we bring our requests and the things that like, you know, we want God to move in and things that we're worried about. There's, there's, there's worship and, and prayer. And then there's contemplative prayer. And they're all needed in the Christian life. All, all of those are needed. And uh, and because and prayer is the mysterious, in the general sense, prayer is a mysterious and beautiful way that we get to commune with our maker. And so, as John Wesley, I think, said, prayer is where the action is when it comes to the Christian life. It's not some kind of boring thing that we do because we have to. Prayer is where the action is. Prayer is where we get in and involved in what God is doing and we get to connect with him. And so I could preach a whole sermon on intercession because I'm passionate about how we are to pray the prayers of God for the sake of the world, right? But I think I'm not going to do that tonight because it's not the topic. But I think we will become better at intercession if we learn how to do what I'm going to describe as centered prayer or or contemplative prayer. But prayer as a whole is what we do in order to become like Jesus. Richard Foster, master craftsman basically on anything prayer and he said the primary purpose of prayer is to bring us into such a life of communion with the father that by the power of the spirit we are increasingly conformed into the image of his son everything we're talking about here everything we're talking about is becoming like jesus fulfilling the destiny of our lives recognizing the privilege that we have to behold the glory and the goodness of Jesus, that you can wake up tomorrow morning and the first thing that you do, when you think about it, like the first thing we do is check Facebook. <laughs> when, you, when you think about it, like, but we, we really could be looking into the eyes of Jesus. That's what he died for. That's what he died, that we could behold the glory of God every, every single day, every moment of every day it's available to us. And as we, as we gaze upon Jesus, we can be changed into his likeness. And so centering prayer allows us to do that. It brings us into a place. It's part of the contemplative stream of prayer. And so when I talk about centered prayer tonight, I'm talking about it within, more broadly, contemplative prayer, if you like. And here's a few things I want to say about it before we do it. What really is a Centering prayer is a place where we go into the very center of us to meet with God. Right into the very core of who we are. We go right to the middle of where we exist. We go there to meet with God. And actually, we go there and we find God's already there waiting for us. And he wants to meet with us. And we get an audience with one. An audience of one. It's a type of prayer that believes that right at the center of who you are, right at the very core of your existence. God wants to meet you. His presence wants to touch who you are and bring wholeness to you. The psalmist got this, didn't he? Deep cries out to deep. The depths of who we are crying out onto the very depths of the one who makes our heart beat. It's incredible, isn't it? Tomorrow morning, you can have an audience with the one who's keeping your heart beating. Never mind saving your soul and redeeming your life. Now, when I say that we're going into the center of us, I just need to qualify this. I'm not talking about some enlightened part of who I am. Because in my sinful state, there's nothing good. But in and through Jesus... I come to realize that God wants to touch me at the deepest parts of who I am. That's what centers prayer is. And when I start to walk to him, I start to realize he is running towards me. That's what centered prayer is. Number two, centered prayer prayer is a method of silent prayer in which we experience God's presence within us closer than our breathing. We learn how to be still, and to know that he is God. Again, the psalmist, be still before God and wait patiently for him. So here's what you've got to do really practically. You probably need to turn your phone off, or at least in silent. Could you just turn it down a wee bit, Richard? I'm sort of squeaking a wee bit here. Thank you. <clears throat> we got to 
center ourselves down and we need to normalize boredom, right? Try and be comfortable just being bored, okay? Because we don't give ourselves any times to be bored these days because we don't need to be because it's all just sitting in front of us. And as I said last week, somebody is discipling you. Somebody is discipling our kids. You've just got to make the choice who's discipling you because somebody is. Somebody's discipling you. And apparently the average is now 150 times a day. They say the average is we're looking at our phones. So, so we're, we're being discipled by something. I'm not saying they're wrong in and of themselves. I'm just saying, what are we gazing on? But, you know, centering prayer is a place of, of silence where we come. Blas Pascal, I thought this was brilliant. All of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. Because we can't be still, all the anxiety is just on the edge and we're just constantly in that place where we can't be still and overcome. The thing I love about Jesus was he's pretty chilled. In the midst of a storm, 5,000 people looking his attention because they wanted something to eat. Demons kind of running about all over the place when Jesus comes to town. He's pretty chilled, isn't it? Because he's been with the Father. He's in, he's in control in the right sense of the word. He's at, he's at rest. Often we're not, though. <laughs> God is a God who speaks. He's a God who reveals himself to us. And in fact, any, any response that we have to God is because God has already revealed himself to us. He's spoken to us. But often the way he speaks to us isn't in words, right? God doesn't just speak in words. God speaks in presence. Presence is deeper and more than words are. And as we sit in his presence in the sense, we, are absor- we absorb, if you like, or we breathe in his presence and we're changed and transformed. Number three, centering prayer has nothing really to do with doing. It's all about being, or more accurately, being with. Centering prayer emphasizes the deep personal relationship that we have with our maker, We dwell in the presence of the triune God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We dwell in the midst of the circle of love that the Trinity is. All we have to do is to be still. Find a place. Normalize boredom. And sit Real prayer comes not from gritting our teeth, but falling in love. When I was a young man, I was really zealous for the Lord, right? You know, and I used to think, like, if I sat in my chair and scrunched up my face and clenched my bum cheeks a wee bit more tightly, then I might bring God down into my room. And then I realized that actually all I had to do was just to wait and open up the palms of my hands and put my hands back or or put my head back or lie on the floor in the real presence of Jesus will come and rest on me. St. Augustine, God is more intimate to me than I am to myself. Number four, centering prayer is not meant to replace other kinds of prayer. So I I talked about some other kinds of prayer, intercession and um, worship and supplication. But what I've come to realize is, do do you you ever listen to people intercede and you go, oh no, it's like they know what God wants to intercede for? And they're like, it seems like that's like they're on it. That prayer that they're praying is on it. So their intercession isn't just a, a list of things that they're interested in. Their intercession is actually flowing from the heart of God. And so what I found is centering prayer isn't supposed to replace like intercession, but it actually informs intercession. And it actually becomes a basis where I'm more in tune with God to know what they actually intercede about. That makes sense? Number five, centering prayer is a discipline that anchors us in the love of God. As we develop a discipline of centering prayer in our lives, we become more anchored as people in the love of God, and we learn how to live from this place. We live out of love, rather than just trying to be loving now and again. We become love, because that's who God is. The psalmist would meditate on you in the watches of the night, 
we sung it tonight. It's easy to sing, though, isn't it? Day and night, night and day, incense arrive, day and Because the, the fire is never supposed to go out. The light's always supposed to keep burning, and not in some kind of real intense, kind of holier-than-thou kind of way, in a joyful communion with the one who created us in his image. And you know what? The reality is God's love is always positioned towards us so we can access this at any moment of any day. I love this verse in the Psalms. By day the Lord commands a steadfast love, and at night his song is still with me, a prayer to the God of my life. So when I wake up in the morning, God has commanded steadfast love to me. And I spend a bit of time at him at night before I put my head in the pillow, I realize he's singing over me. His song is with me. And then I wake up the next morning and his love is commanded to me. And then I put my head in the pe- and on the bed tonight and his song is singing over me. And then I wake up the next morning and guess what? His love is commanded towards me. And I go to bed that night and there's, there's a song still singing over me. And the problem is I just haven't been still enough to hear it. And so trust that God is always waiting for you with open arms. The problem is we're distracted. We used this quote last week. If the heart is like a compass, an erotic homing device. Erotic is a strong word, isn't it? But you see, we're tethered. Our hearts are lovers of things that aren't God at times. And so what we need to do is reg- to regularly calibrate our hearts, turn them to, the di- to be directed to the Creator, our magnetic north. And in doing that, we recalibrate, we anchor ourselves in the love of God and we live from that place. And so I, I have to do this constantly because uh, I'm rolling from one meeting into the next meeting and by the time I get to the third or fourth one, I know I'm tired. I know because the third meeting wasn't a very good one and stuff happened in it and stuff was said that wounded me a little bit that I could go into the fourth one and carry all that stuff in and so I need to sometimes walk to the toilet or I need to take a quick walk around the block or I just need to sit in my office and take two minutes and recalibrate my heart, sink down into the love of God and operate from that place again. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I really love resources like Word for the Day and Every Day with Jesus, but I don't know if you're like me, but by half ten that morning, like I'm struggling to remember necessarily what I've written or read. And I, I, I need to find something deeper. I need to be connected with the presence of God. Two more and then we're going to practice. Centered prayer is informed by God, the God who reveals himself in scriptures. Anything as we center our minds and our hearts in God. Some of the misconceptions of contemplative prayer are they're, like, they're a bit like kind of Eastern meditation. And, uh, but Eastern meditation, like nirvana and things like that, that's, that kind of predict, that's trying to say that it's all about detachment, which is saying that like, our personalities are an illusion, and so we're trying to like, detach ourselves from ourselves so that everything that makes us us, we're kind of letting go. So it's all about detachment. And there's a degree to which we want to detach ourselves from sin, but Christian meditation, Christian contemplation isn't primarily about detachment, it's about attachment. It's about looking on Jesus. It's about attaching ourselves to his face. And so it should always be informed by the God who reveals himself in scripture. This verse just epitomizes, for God who said, let light shine over darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God looks like Jesus. And we get to look at him. We get to look at him, the source of everything that's beautiful. We get to look in his splendor. We get to look in his glory. We get to behold Jesus. And then when we behold him, we realize he's totally other than us. And yet we also realize that he invites us to be like him. It really is pretty crazy, the privilege that we have. And then finally, centering prayer. It's for everyone and can be done at every point of the day, at any point of the day. Prayer is not something you master. There's no experts in prayer. Prayer is an act that forms us, 
forms us into Christ-likeness. And so I start my day with a kind of centering prayer. I need 20 minutes, half an hour with, with Jesus. Maybe read something from the scriptures. And then I'll, I'll rest in him. I'm, I'm centering myself for the day. I find it really hard to get through the day well if I don't do that. But then I try to center myself when I'm driving my car. Set your car apart for Jesus. Pray over it. Neighbors may think you're crazy. <clears throat> but you know when I'm in my car, I just try to center myself. Sometimes I'm in my car and I think of four phone calls to make. But you know what? I'm going to a meeting here. I could get this done and the phone calls will be made. But what I really need to do is just to center. And I say, I say the name of Jesus. I invite the Holy Spirit. Sometimes maybe you take a walk at lunchtime. You're re-centering. You're throwing the anchor down again. And then finally, before I go to sleep, I try to center again. I just try to be still. Maybe you want to walk the dog before you go to bed. As a, as a, just be practical about it. You know, the, 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 the great mystic in church history was a man called Brother Lawrence. He's a poor, poor man from a poor family in Florence. No formal education, but he became a lay brother in the Carmelite order in Paris. And he worked in a kitchen. He wasn't even really the cook. It seems like he just washed the pots and the pans. And he wrote a book, which I'd really encourage you to read, called The Practice of the Presence of God. One of the best books in Christian literature in the last 2,000 years. He, he didn't have any formal education. He wasn't that clever. But he committed himself to try, over years, to live every single moment in the presence of God. And he charted that. And he developed a habitual communion with Jesus. And he did it while he washed the pots and the pans. <laughs> and when he pulled weeds out of the garden, he became consciously aware of the presence of Jesus. And that's what we want to be, a non-anxious presence in the world. Some of the greatest gifts we could bring our colleagues and work, fellow students, is just to be a non-anxious presence of the world. We're just fidgety, aren't we? Wound up. <laughs> as anxious as everybody else. We're like the duck. We're trying our best, like the duck up above the water, to look like it's all kind of cool, but underneath our wee legs are going like the belly of yeah. And, and God just wants to settle us. And so what I have learned is when the torments of the enemy have come against my mind, and when I'm dealing with a situation where somebody's really hurt me, it's my choice what I do with that. And sometimes it doesn't feel fair because it wasn't my choice that it happened to me. But I have a choice what I'm going to do with it. And I find that the only way that I can properly deal with it is to, is to center. And so I almost imagine like there's a, the pull of spiritual gravity inside me as I sit before Jesus. Just draws me down into the very center of who I am. And Jesus is there. And so here's what we're going to do last 10 minutes. These are the centered prayer steps. I'm going to just say them quickly. I kind of referred to them already, and then we're going to take the last 10 minutes and just do it. Sit down. It's the first thing you need to do, which is a big enough deal for a lot of you. <laughs> just sit down in a place, draw aside, and be friends silence. <coughs> Become aware of your breathing. If you're breathing really fast, let it slow down. Inhale, exhale. Think of a word or a symbol and then begin to say it gently. So here's some ideas. And we're going to like send this all st stuff out to you so don't be over overwhelmed by the content. But here's some things that you could do. You could meditate on a scripture. That could be the thing that you choose. For example, I am the vine, you are the branches. For, year, for, for days I used to think about, Jesus is a vine, I am a branch. Now, a branch isn't just stuck on to a, a vine. It's actually like, at that bit where the branch and the vine meet, like where does the vine stop and the branch end or vice versa? They're so entwined, you're not sure where one starts and one ends. And I started to meditate and I started to think about how my whole life and being is entwined into the presence of Jesus. Yeah? 
Just by meditating on that, his presence became alive in me and started to be changed. A sacred word, sometimes just pick a word, like a holy word, a sacred word, Jesus, God, Father, any of those words on the screen. Just meditate that and say it. Abba's prayer, this is the one we may do. We inhale, Abba, and we exhale, I belong to you. It feels a bit clunky at the start, but once you do it, you start to receive the Father's love. The appropriation of the cross and the resurrection. But Dad taught me this one sometimes. I meditate in this verse in Romans 6. Count yourself, reckon yourself. The King James says, reckon yourself dead. So I used to, sometimes I imagine myself dying with Jesus. That I'm dead to me and all of my sin, selfish desires. And then receive his life. I imagine myself gazing upon God. Or I do this thing, palms up, palms down, which I'll, I'll show you as we finish. And so as that happens, keep returning to that word. Okay? Disregard the background noise. So when we do this in a few minutes, we're only going to take five minutes to finish and do it. But when we do it, somebody will cough. Somebody might get up and go to the toilet. It's a bit false when you do it in a big group like this, but, but that's okay. Stop getting yourself all head up because you keep getting distracted. Stick at it. The enemy wants you to stop. I love this from Father Michael Keaton. A woman came to him and said, Father Thomas, I feel so terribly. My mind has wandered 10,000 times. Keating said, and he smiled back at her and said, how wonderful. 10,000 opportunities to turn back to God. Right? One wee practical thing I do is I keep a notebook beside me often, and when I get distracted about something I have to do, I just write it down. And then I just go back to saying that word again. Because when I write it down, at least I haven't forgot about it because I'm afraid of forgetting about it. So like, there it's there. And I'll just go back to gazing on Jesus again. And I just keep doing that and keep doing that until I become more and more still and really engage with God's presence. And then note anything that you sense Jesus saying to you. I try my best to never leave the house, although sometimes I do, without hearing these words. Alan, you're my son. I'm well pleased in you today. You can hear that every single morning. Every single morning. In fact, you can hear it every single minute of every single day. That's what the Father wants to say over you, his sons and daughters. If you're in Jesus, and if you're not, that's what he's longing to say over you. That's what he's wanting you to hear. And so I just note that I'm his child again this morning. I don't have to strive for anybody else's approval. I don't have to strive to fulfill other people's expectations. I belong to him. Prayer is waiting for a word that you cannot say to yourself. I need to hear something that I can't say to myself. And it's the word of the Father. And then finally, just rest in his embrace. Take a little longer to rest in his embrace. So there you go, that's centered prayer. So why don't we practice it? Robbie, could you get me that chair? Would you mind? So I'm going to sit as well. So this is what I want you to do. Just, I'm going to take five minutes. just want to show you one or two things. And then we're going to finish, okay? So where you're sitting, why don't you just close your eyes? Is that all right? Close your eyes. Just trust me to lead you through this. And I want you just to get yourself comfortable. Because we're in a big room, maybe don't like stick your feet up on the chair in front of you or something. But just get yourself comfortable. Allow your feet to take the weight of your legs on the floor. And just... Um, Embrace the stillness. And if, if it feels like awkward, just put your arms around that awkwardness. Just embrace the stillness. And just become aware of your, of your breathing. Just check into your breathing. Just where you're sitting, just invite the Holy Spirit to come.
or you maybe even internally want to just say the name Jesus. Start to focus on Jesus. And now what I'd love you to do is I want you to take the palms of your hand and place them face down on your knees. So your palms are resting face down just on your thighs or on your knees. And I want you to imagine just one thing that you feel preoccupied at the moment. There might be more than one, that's okay. But just at least one thing that is preoccupying you at the moment. And I want you, with your palms facing down, just to, just to imagine that you're laying those down. You're giving them over to Jesus. You, you might even want to imagine Jesus' hands coming in underneath yours and taking it. There might be a fear, an anxiety, a sense of loneliness or emptiness. There might be a sense of shame that you've just been carrying for a very long time. Just in these moments, just give, give that to Jesus. Just internally, just name that before the Lord. If you feel you even want to just, in a whisper, speak it out, feel free to do that as well. And just when you're ready, just very gently, just whenever you're ready, I want you to turn your hands round so your palms of your hands are facing up. And whatever that fear, anxiety, shame, whatever it was that you were given to Jesus, I want you to receive the opposite of that now. Receive his love. Receive his forgiveness. Receive his courage. Receive his strength. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Spirit, come and rest on your children. Thank you, Lord. Power and love and soundness of mind, God. Come, Holy Spirit. Just in this place, just transition into this. At least as you inhale, as you become aware of your breathing, kind of breathing in, I want you just internally to say the word Abba, which is the word that Jesus taught us to approach God the Father with. Say Abba. And then as you breathe out, just internally say the words, I belong to you. 
Abba, I belong to you. Abba, I belong to you. Just keep doing that for a while. just for the last few moments I want you to think about Jesus saying these words which he said in John 15 and I want you to imagine Jesus and it's just you and Jesus and he says this words, these words to you I have called you friend I have called you friend just start to become aware of what it makes you feel or what you see in Jesus' eyes. Just finally, just, just rest in God for a few last seconds. Just rest in his embrace. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So everybody just did about 10 minutes of silence there. See, you didn't, you didn't think you could do it, right? But like 10 minutes of silence, even if you want to start with two minutes, just gazing on, on Jesus, beholding him. I often think it's like, you know when you go to fill a bucket of water? And if you fill a bucket of water on a really clear day and you look into it, it takes a while because the water's splish splashing around. But finally, if you keep looking at it, that water settles. And what happens when the water settles? When you look into it, you see the reflection of your own face. And I often think coming to prayer and coming to my time with Jesus is a bit like that. The water is, and particularly that's why I have to do it, in the, that's, that's why I like to do it in the morning because usually there's not as much splashing around because when I get to like evening time is more of a reflection of what God has been doing and, and saying but if I'm, if I'm through the day there's so much, it just takes longer to get to that place where I actually see his, 
see my reflection before God as I behold him. Whereas if I do it in the morning, it, I just have less going on in my head and I can start my day with looking at Jesus. And so I want to encourage you, that's where we want to get to, the perpetual presence of the Lord moving from a theological dogma, just like a doctrine, just a theory, to a radiant reality where we encounter the presence of Jesus every day. Um, back on these um, slides, I uh, can send these around, but just some of those examples are, we, I just <coughs> quickly tried to move you through two or three, the palms up, palms down. You often do that. Like, and, and it doesn't have, like I bring, I bring before the Lord, like I'm going to the dentist, although that's my wife, so I, I kind of, it's, it's, not, it's not as bad as it used to be, but I might be bringing like some big things before the Lord, but I might be bringing things that just give me a little bit of anxiety and fear during the day. I'm going to meet somebody that, feels like it's going to be a bit awkward or something and it just I, I need it you know I, I'm, I'm putting it down palms down and in exchange for that I'm, re- I'm receiving this I, I worry about a child I, w- I, w- I worry about a spouse God I'm giving it to you there's only so much I can do you're, you're in control palms down now I receive your peace I receive your love yeah it's a, it's a great little one to do um, give you like a line of scripture there and, it, and we did the, the Abba's prayer inhale and exhale if, if you do these once, it's all right. If you do them every day, you get transformed. You, you, you get transformed. If you do them once every now and again, it helps for a bit. But if you, if you, if you try and develop a discipline of it, a joyful discipline, then you get changed and transformed. Let me pray for you, and then we're done. Father, thank you that we can truly be still and know that you are God. Thank you that you are here with us. Thank you for the awesome, awesome privilege and thought that you are waiting for us tomorrow morning when we wake up to meet with us, to allow your transforming presence to come in to our lives, our homes, where we sit. We can behold you, Jesus. Fill us with the knowledge of your will, Holy Spirit. Fill us with the wonder of who you are. Captivate our hearts with your beauty all over again, Jesus. For your glory. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.